Welcome to episode 86 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Wayne Fish, who covers the Flyers, is going to join Russ Cohen and I momentarily at Russ at Sportsology on Twitter for Russ. I am really struggling today, Russ. You are. Um, <laughs> a couple of days without hockey and I'm all screwed up. Uh, at Sportsology on Twitter, sportsology.com is the website. Great stuff there, as always. But we start here, Russ. Give me a number 86 for episode 86. Nikita Kucherov. Bang! Yeah, that's a good one. And that's the first one that comes to mind. Uh, it is. He's a great, you know, next episode is going to be really easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At 87. Uh, he was born on the 7th of the 8th month of the year in 1987. That guy, uh, Sidney Crosby. But we're not there yet. The other guy I had was, how about Taro Taravainen? Taravainen I like a lot. I, yeah. I do. So 286 is for you there. It's a, it's yeah. a, um, it's a number for non-American or non-North American players. <laughs> it seems that way. <laughs> um, Russ, so we're, we're recording this on Friday, um, which was to be a day of playoff hockey, obviously. Uh, but that's not the case. Uh, the league opted to postpone uh, the playoffs on Thursday and Friday. They will return, as, as we're taping this again, coming up tomorrow. The uh, playoff schedule uh, will ensue. But the league going dark uh, for two days, uh, obviously, in solidarity with the uh, protests that the NBA has done, uh, Major League Baseball to some extent. Um, it's obviously one of those situations in sports um, that's a very touchy issue because people come at it from a lot of different lenses here. Yeah. Uh, some people say this is what you have to do. Other people say sports should stay out of politics. So whether you view this even as politics is, is a question. Um, sports has a, a way of healing and the sports has a way of leading the way in a lot of areas. Um, but, but what we do know is that the NBA opted to go to go dark for three days. Um, the NHL didn't go dark on Wednesday, and a lot of people, they caught a lot of criticism for it. I don't know that that was um, necessarily their fault. The Flyers were already playing on that day at that, at that time. Right. Uh, the, the Bruins and Lightning were on their way to the rink or preparing as everything kind of unfolded in Milwaukee. And it wasn't a league decision for the NBA. It was a, a player-driven decision. Right. And that's what turned out to be the case for the NHL as well. Yeah, no question. I mean, the lens that I looked at it through – which is the one I've looked at it through my entire life is, hey, I'm a Jewish guy. I've faced anti-Semitism, which is a form of racism my whole life in all different ways. So I'm very sympathetic to every other type of that that goes on in this country, right? So and Bo, I'll tell you what, I, I was on the Western call and I learned some great things because we're not in the room, right? Even you and I are not in the room. We When we get there, They've already tidied up the room to the point where guys are just ready to talk to the media and not still talking about whatever they were talking about. But Pete DeBoer kind of pulled, pulled back the curtain a little bit. And he, you know, he basically said that they were talking about this stuff when they entered the bubble. So it's not like all of this just started at that moment. Cause I think everybody kind of pointed to it and said, well, at this moment, why is it now? And it's like, no, 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 this has been building. I mean, Ryan Reeves, think about this. Ryan Reeves said, am I going to walk out on my team and be the only guy? Until he got a text from Kevin Shattenkirk and other Vancouver players, that's what he was carrying around. Like, that's, that's a lot to carry around, man. It's a burden, yeah. It's a burden. I mean, look, I get it. You're paid. You're a professional. You're a teammate. But when that starts affecting you, he knows it's going to affect him as a human being. So I looked at that and I said, all right. And, and even to go one more, Jason Dickinson uh, – Great job with this. He said, you know, the Hockey Diversity Association, which is doing good things, is a great start. It's helped bringing in white allies. I can't say we have a definitive plan today. And Nazem Kadri said, yeah, they're actually going to have something going forward. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is Pierre Edward Bellamore said, after the bubble and in our communities, it's going to continue. And that is the basic crux of everything, I think. You aren't going to get instant results today, but it got people talking. Now, if you carry it into your community and some of these, you know, and look, and they realize not every player is going to do this the minute they're out of the bubble or when the season ends, right? But if you get a percentage of them doing it in the community, you can start to change your community's outlook on things. Yeah, and certainly you obviously, you know, you open some people's eyes. Like I heard Carson Wentz talking about it who grew up in North Dakota. Right. And he said, you know, there's not a lot of black people in North Dakota. I right. was unaware but um, I, I'm aware now, so I'm trying to educate myself. And look, the hockey community, we know, you know, guys come. This is such a global sport. It may be the most global sport of all of them. This or the NBA. Yeah. As Wayne Fish jumps in uh, to join us right now, 
And uh, Wayne, first of all, thanks for joining the Stick to Hockey podcast. Uh, can you hear us okay? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep. You're, I'm a little high on your head. I see your, more of your hat than your face. All right. <laughs> we want to see you as well. That's good, you look, yes. Oh, you hat? look beautiful. All right. oh, I actually haven't had a haircut in seven months. <laughs> Neither have I. Russ hasn't really either. <laughs> Can't tell. Not true. The, the only hair I got to cut now go. is like the, the hair of my ears. The older you get, you get hair in all the places you don't <laughs> want true. it. That's that true. Is... They, sell, they sell stuff for that, you know. They do. do they? Well, I had like a cactus coming out of my ears. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> I got like wearing headphones all the time. It, it didn't do anything to it. Um, Wayne, we just kind of addressed the issue real quick of the league postponing. And, and I want to get your thoughts initially here on, uh, on what Elaine Vino's comments were in, in, re, in regard to postponing and you know, some people really kind of criticized him for it because of his, you know, lack of awareness. He's in a bubble. He's there to do a job. And he is a singularly focused individual. And he mentioned that, you know, when the game's over, my laptop is open, but it is not on the internet. It is on game film, doing everything I can to prepare my team. He hadn't seen the video, apparently. He doesn't know the, the entirety of the story. Maybe he does now, or maybe he doesn't. But um, some people took that as as kind of tone deaf. What were your thoughts on the comments from uh, the head coach, Elaine Vino? I think that he knew what was going on to a degree, but my initial reaction was that he didn't want to be a lightning rod and create any kind of controversy. He, if you're not fully aware of what's going on, why would you comment if you didn't know all the facts? And And again, that sounds a little simplistic, but at the end of the day, uh, you have to remember that uh, they were coming off, in, initially coming off of a very emotional win. Uh, when they came back the second day, it was kind of like, uh, I don't want to start a controversy here. And today, he was not made available to the media, which uh, I questioned to the Flyers Public Relations Department and said, was, he, was this pre-scheduled or was this sort of like him saying, I don't want to come out there and have to answer this again? So I think if, we, if you take that for what it is, then uh, I don't think he was tone deaf in that sense that uh, he didn't want to take a stand one way or the other. I think, I think privately he supports the players, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't think he wants to put anything out there that's going to be put under a microscope and, and distract, distract his team. You know what, though? I, yeah, my my only point. retort to that is a good point. My only retort to that is now it's a bigger story. Because yesterday when, like, the Western and the Eastern players were there, the Eastern coaches weren't there. But then they said, well, that was because they were on morning detail pregame because we thought there were going to be games. And it's like, okay. But then when he's not there today, then all of a sudden it is a bigger story because the last thing people want to hear right now, whether it's fair or not, and this is just the way the world is, is you just saying it and just saying, yes, I support it without backing that up. And that's the problem now is that's where it's sort of laying. Yeah, I, th I think that we're in a situation now of, okay, we're postponing games. Uh, and what is being accomplished by postponing the games? What We need action steps. If any of this is to move forward, um, there needs to be de a definitive plan. Um, I forget her name, Kim uh, from the NHL. She was brought in. We, we talked about her when, when she was named. Yeah. Um, to, to be a part of, you know, working with the Diversity Alliance and, and working on um, these kind of initiatives going forward. Uh, we need action steps, not only for the NHL, societally, and all of those things, um, to turn awareness into action. That's the where I think people are waiting right now. Yeah, the only thing I could say in regard to that was yes, on yesterday's call, Nazem Kadri said they were close. Yeah. He, actually, the Western guys seemed like they were closer because they had been talking about it maybe a little longer than the Eastern guys. So it seems like they're close to actually having those action steps and probably will have them by, you know, end of today, tomorrow, something like that. And that's good because, again, when Bellamar, Wayne, you didn't know this, but, you know, I was talking, I got a quote from Bellamar, and he was, you know, he was saying that he's hoping this is going to be brought into the communities. He's going to certainly do it. If that happens, then I think that's a good action step as square one. Yeah, to complete that thought, which I agree with you, Russ, that uh, – what this you don't want to make it a bigger story so i think that Dino should have come out today and been, been discreet and just kept on sort of tap dancing around a little bit if he didn't feel like he wanted to make a full-blown endorsement of what took place i mean we're talking about two two issues one is was this enough or was it too much 
And you have to take, you know, if someone asks you that question, do you just say, I can't comment? Or do you go out and say it was too much or it was not enough? So I think that he should have come out today and maybe they could have given him some prompts to give him a little bit of like, here, when they ask you this, answer with that. So, you know, I, I agree with what you said. Yeah, and he's no stranger to uh, wanting to take the focus off his players and put it on himself. No. We saw it in the first round. and You know, he's a savvy head coach. He's done that uh, for years. He knows how to navigate uh, those situations, albeit this is very unique uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, Wayne, uh, the, the series is tied at one. Um, they were to have a back-to-back in games two and three. Now there's going to be the back-to-back in games three and four with slightly less rest between um, because when game two ended, they would have had about 26 hours to the next game's puck drop. And that game was an overtime game, but it was only two minutes and 40 seconds of overtime. Uh, but let's get your impressions, first of all, of games one and two and kind of what happened and, and where you think this team is right now. Because they've been um, – they haven't had a complete effort in these playoffs. And, look, you got to tip your cap to the opposition as well because, you know, they're going to push back. They're professionals, and they got pride, and they got a lot of talent uh, with the New York Islanders. Uh, but what are your impressions as to where the Flyers are right now uh, after two games in round two? I believe that the season was on a the brink there when, they, uh, when, when the Islanders scored with 2.09 to play. If they had lost that game, I mean, I don't want to be a numbers geek here, but you only went, uh, in the last 50 years, only 14% of the teams have won, uh, you know, down 0-2. And if you're going to the racetrack, those aren't good odds. So, <laughs> and, and you're I not think... going back home for two home games now. Oh, we haven't no. lost on home ice. <laughs> right. right. There's a, there's a change lot of... Then you reset none of that. Exactly. So... Uh, I think that the first game, they came out and kind of got knocked back on their – they weren't quite used to the fact that they were not playing the Montreal Canadiens anymore. They were playing a team which I think won like, what, 15 games in a row or something or 17 games in a row earlier in the season? 16 of 18, they got points in. They won at a 10-game win streak from mid-October to November 7th. Right. Wow, you're good at that. Uh, uh, What what I'm trying to say is that that was a team that you could see has – base talent that that there's an under an underlying foundation of teams that can win go you know go a month without a loss so I think the Flyers uh, I don't want to say they weren't prepared for that but I think that that first period as you saw they played terrible maybe maybe if they had played their a game they might still be behind one nothing after that Mm -hmm. period but they were lucky to only be behind one nothing at the end of that first period now to their credit they came back in the second uh, Vigneault liked that second. I think the third period, they made a couple of mistakes, but they played them pretty even that. that. So I think that sets the stage for game two. And uh, the fact that they lost that 3 nothing lead says that maybe the young guys learn that you can't just get a 3 nothing lead and then try to sit on it. You know, I know mm-hmm. it, sounds, it sounds like a cliche, but, you know, you're, you're sit, sort of sitting on it. So, I mean, I think that they may, may lose a little bit. I, I think that deep down they would prefer to have played the next day. Totally sure. agree with you. Uh, no, uh, the momentum was there. They were hot. They, uh, they were still feeling good about themselves. Now to have to sit there for, th- I think it's 31 hours or whatever it was, uh, looking at the hotel walls, uh, you know, might not serve them. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, I, I made that, Real quick, Russ, I made that yeah. point too on, on Flyers Daily several times, Wayne. You know, cat, riding momentum in a series doesn't happen when you have a day between games. It, it doesn't correlate. But when you can take a team out, that came back from a 3 nothing deficit, tie, and then you beat them in overtime. And then 26 or 27 hours later, they got to get back up. That Losing in overtime in the Stanley Cup playoffs um, can be more detrimental than losing 4-1 to one because of everything it took to come back, and it's one bounce of the puck. And the fact that it was going to be the next day, I think that is now a lost opportunity to carry momentum from Game 2 to Game 3 and take the lead in the series. And Game 3 in series, Russ – are huge in a tie 1-1 series. I mean, that could be the indicator of who wins it. It it could be. The one – look, even though the Flyers won, it's not like you could feel comfort as a fan and say, that was a good game. That was a game of mixed emotions, but you won. The thing that I took out of it – and I picked the Flyers in seven, but the thing that I took out of it is it seems like the Islanders have more will. And that has a lot to do with the coach and has a lot to do with the veteran players they have that know how to win. And that's something where I don't know how easily the Flyers are going to be able to break through that will because here's the edge the Islanders have now. They know they can come back from behind, whether it's Carter Hart or anybody in that. That's a big edge to have. Yeah, they came back from a 3 nothing deficit in the regular season in one game, too. Right. Fly- Flyers did as well. Tied it ended up losing that game. No, they but that, you know, that was a different Flyers team. This one, 
I don't know has that same bounce back ability if they're down 3-0. I don't get that feeling yeah. right now. I don't. No, I, I agree. You know, it's interesting because when the Flyers played the, the Islanders this regular season, and I don't think the regular season means a whole heck of a lot right now as a, no. you know, kind of a predictor of the future. Um, every time they played them, it was on a back-to-back. They played them twice when they were on that heater that Wayne talked about in the beginning of the season. Then they played them February 11th. And that game, they were on the back-to-back with Florida, and then they went back and played Florida again that week. Um, they, so they beat Florida home. Then they go and they face the Islanders. They come back, they tie that game in three. They lose it on the next shift on that Ryan Pollock bomb, and they yeah. end up winning 5-3. to three. Um, but, but the thing about the Islanders, I, I don't think there's a team in the league that the pause helped more. They lost seven straight games leading into the pause, and 11 of their last 13 – all said and none, when you look at their record on the regular season, they were a team, if you want to count the OTLs as losses, right, which, which in, in actuality, they lost the hockey game. You know, we looked at that when we talked about the Montreal Canadiens. And when you look at the Islanders, they won 35 hockey games. They lost 43 hockey games, including those OTLs, either overtime losses. So no team has benefited, in my opinion, Wade, more than the Islanders had the regular season gone on, they may not even have made the dance. True. And uh, I think that the only saving grace you have there is that Barry Trotz, I mean, if this was a second-year coach who had never won anything, what do you go into the room and tell these guys? I mean, right. I've been – Todd been through, I, yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been through this before. You haven't been. So, I mean, Barry Trotz has been through it, and there are several veterans on that team, I guess, who could stand up in the middle of the room and say, you know, it's time to – uh, essentially start over or let's circle the wagons a little bit here. Uh, just get a little ticked off. Uh, but I mean, if you watch the Washington series, they look like they did back in November to me. I mean, they right. were, they were, they were keeping, when you have Ovechkin and Oshie and those type of players, uh, you know, it's not easy to keep them from getting quality chances. Even if the score final score is three to two, they may have had 10 quality chances. You don't, you know, you have to look at the sheet and make sure you know. So I think that uh, the, the Islanders still have that ace in the hole, which I think is Trotz. And uh, I mean, right now, I would match up him against any coach in the NHL. For I, uh, I agree. And, and something that Scott Mayfield told me even a year ago, Jason, where he told me that when they have meetings, they break down percentages and scoring chances and as defensemen where to keep the guys and where they're best pushing them and everything else and even a guy as strong as Phil Myers I forget who it was on the Islanders was able to out leverage him and push him out of scoring position yeah yeah and I was like you know what that's good coaching man I mean that is because this is a guy who's clearly stronger but you know what he had the right technique and the Islanders are well coached they really are not that the Flyers aren't but the Islanders are really super well coached Look, it's no mistake that the Islanders, in the year where they had Jack Capuano and Doug, Doug Waite, who took over for Capuano that year, um, led the league in goals allowed. They, they gave up the most goals in the National Hockey League, and Yarrow Halak and Thomas Grice didn't look like they could stop a beach ball from the blue line. And a lot of people blamed the goaltending. We have no goaltending. Yeah. Well, Barry Trotz comes in, plus Mitch Korn. Don't forget about Mitch, Mitch Korn, Korn, the goaltending coach. Who, yeah. uh, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. They come in and they shave 102 goals off year to year. 102. That's more than a goal a game. They go from giving up the most goals in the league to giving up the least amount of goals in the league with that system. And this is without John Tavares, too, by the way, who left in that all season, who's a pretty good 200 foot player, right? And all of a sudden, boom. But, Rush, you just talked about, you know, that coverage and that detail in front. Yeah. Mitch Korn is known for this working with his goaltenders and working with the team's defensemen to go, okay, in certain situations, I have to find the line for my goaltender. So I want you to push the screen to the middle of the net so I don't give up the short side for my goalie. Except Varlamov screwed up that line on the one goal. because Those weren't cheating. screens, though. He's, no, he was cheating, though. He yeah, was. At, at, but, you know, good on Drew and Abe Kubel for driving yes. the net to make themselves an option. Yes. And, and, and good on Kevin Hayes for as soon as he saw Varlamov load his right leg for yeah. a push across – with that option, that's when he went. And as soon as right. he loads that right leg, he's handicapped on that side of his body. You can't react. And he got flat, and Hayes made him pay both times. And eventually, they gave him the hook. Um, Wayne, going forward in this series, um, Kevin Hayes has the two goals in game two. Uh, the Giroux-Couturier-Voracek line, to me, looked like 
for the first time these playoffs, we're playing hockey based on instincts and not thinking. Um, is that a harbinger of things to co come for that line? Because they looked way better to me uh, than they've looked throughout this entire time uh, in, inside the bubble. You would think that uh, three guys who play, have played so many playoff games after a while would know how to figure it out, that if something's a little broken, go back to the drawing board, study what they're doing against you, then go back out and make those adjustments. So going back to what we talked about in game one, I mean, uh, I don't think they were ready for it. They, I mean, the Islanders swept them during the season. You reviewed how they took place, and you really have to throw that out the window when the playoffs start. But I, I don't think you have a point of reference if going into the playoffs, again, style-wise, playing Montreal did them no good at all. I mean, they came into this series, it's a whole different ballgame. And they have a lot of young players on that team. I don't want to use that for them as an excuse, but uh, that they had to adjust. And it'll be interesting to see the first 20 minutes of this next game as to whether or not that gained traction, especially, you know, the young players throw that out of the equation. Drew, Couturier, and Borchek have been here for 100 years. So they, they should be able to make, continue to make adjustments on the fly. And I would expect that you would see more from them, especially Drew on the power play. I mean, he's got to get a goal. I think that would, just like with Couturier getting a goal the other day, I think that breaks the ice a little bit. And I think that maybe that gives them a little bit of confidence. I'll, I'll tell you the biggest adjustment, and I, I felt like it was going to be made at some point by the Islanders, was taking Boychuk out, putting Andy Green in. Andy Green may be playing his best hockey in the last five years. Like, even when Farabee looked like he was going to have a one a, a break a little bit, Andy Green got back and just literally just took the puck away from him. Just like no problem, no hesitation, knew exactly how to do it. And, and I mean, he was chipping in a little offensively, too. But the two biggest questions is, should Kevin Hayes be the best flyer? Because he is right now. Like, is that is that the way it's going to go? And if all things are equal, who do the flyers match up against the Barzell line? Because that's nothing they've done has worked out for that. No, you're right. And and I, I remember in game, in game two, it seemed like every time that line was on the ice, and now for games three and four, they'll get the last change. And, yeah. dictate that matchup uh, Barry Trotz will as best he can. But that line hemmed the Flyers in. I mean, you got to be really careful. You cannot have the combination of your fourth line and your third D pairing with that line on the ice. Right. Or you're going to be pulling it out of the back of your net. And I think we're seeing here right now that Matthew Barzell um, is a really dynamic talent. And he's playing for that contract, that RFA deal that he's going to get this summer. Yeah. And he's going, flat cap my ass. I got to get paid and I'm going to show it here. He's showing that he's an elite player in the league, Wayne. And, and when he gets going on that cycle and creativity and with Bavillier, who has been outrageous in these playoffs, he's got seven yeah. goals. Yeah. Um, that line is almost as good as any line in the league, maybe with the exception of the perfection line. So in Boston. It's like in football. If you make a mistake with the wrong guy in the field, you give up a touchdown, right? Mm -hmm. You make one mistake with Barzal out there, it's a scoring chance and sometimes a goal. Yeah, they are. That is a really good line. Like they're known for being this defensive system way yeah, yeah, yeah. under trots and everything, but make no mistake about it. They got some offensive talent. And in those three regular season games, the Flyers and, and Islanders had two combined goal, games of eight goals and, and a seven goal game in the other one. So this isn't going to be two one hockey. I don't think. Here's what I would also ask Wayne. I felt like at some point in this series, if defense and Carter Hart was going to continue to break down, you might have to bring in Elliott for a change for that one game because he's used to having the defense break down. Now I kind of wonder with this break if that's going to happen. But let's say the next game, Wayne, the same thing happens and there's just so much going on in front of Hart. I almost would bring in Elliott for a game just to change that up because – Just on the back-to-back? -back? Yeah, just on the back-to-back. Okay just because he is used to that and that may help the team a little bit because at some point great young goalie or not it does work on you mentally i th i think that uh Vigneault hinted at that if they if, if they had even played these two back to back the yeah, games two and yeah. three that he was asked that point blank and his response was well you know he kind of threw that uh game five of the montreal series out the window but essentially he, saying is maybe throw the Islanders a curveball and bring in the veteran and just yeah. give them a different look. I mean, I don't know, technically you're the goal, you're the goaltender, Jason. So you tell me, is there a, he's got a little bit bigger uh, presence in the net. He'd been to a million playoff games. 
maybe that factor of, oh gosh, you know, we, we kind of had Hart figured out. Now we got to go back to, to Elliott again. And I don't know how many games he played in the regular season, but essentially uh, just throwing them a little bit of a curveball might uh, be effective. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that it's a great point, Wayne, because you're right. You throw a different look in there at shooters. Look, they've been scouting Carter Hart and his tendencies and how deep he plays in certain situations. And Elliott's far different. Um, he's way wider, as you can see, with his lower body to cover the, the bottom part of the net. He reshaped his game completely from when he played at Wisconsin. He doesn't yeah. even look like the same goaltender. Um, and, he, and he competes his balls off, right? Elliott does. And he's yeah. been in a lot of these back-to-back -back situations where, you know, the, the, the opposition has uh, an edge in back-to-backs. This is different because they're both in a back-to-back. -back, but still, um, the breakdown and the frenetic elements of that – the only thing I would worry about with it is, is this, and part of it is, is a PR issue. If he does go to Elliott, then, and, and it doesn't work, and Els doesn't perform well, and he's in a situation where, you know, he, he hasn't played a lot of hockey. He played one game in the round robin. He played, what, a half a game or a period in the, uh, in the exhibition game. So there's not a lot of hockey there, although I, still, I would still feel comfortable with it, but um, – from his team standpoint and psyche, if he went to Moose and it didn't work, I wonder what the lasting effect with that, of that would be. I know the team has confidence in Brian, and they should. His numbers don't dictate the season he had for me. Um, and he's been good in these situations. And when Carter got hurt, he went 7-2. and two. So uh, I, I don't know that pending workload, um, Vino does it. And, and that's got you got to look at it. It's not just about, about the amount of shots. It's the zone time, possession yep. for the other team, chances, um, the way a game breaks down and, and how that workload on Hart looks under a fine microscope. But I think he would go with him. I think he knows he's his guy. And, and I don't think he worries about Carter Hart mentally at all. When you got to be so impressed with this kid coming off losses, back-to-back -back shutouts in the Montreal series when that was a really tough spot getting pulled in game two uh, with, the, with the four goals he gave up and Elliott gave up the fifth to come back the way he did yeah, against his idol? Yeah, I still worry, idol. though, Jay. I still worry if, if things continue to break down in front of them the way they have for periods at a time, late in a series, that is going to wear on a young goalie. It doesn't matter how good you are. It really yeah. doesn't. But his game actually is more built for those breakdowns than Brian. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen that right now. No? That's the only thing. That's the only difference I've seen in his game is he's been a little bit more mortal when that zone time has increased tr tremendously and his team yeah. is, is hemmed in. Yeah, well, well, every goalie is, no doubt about it. Yeah. Wayne even knows that about me because he's played hockey against me. <laughs> when you hem me in, I'm just yelling, ice the damn puck! <laughs> exactly. Well, some of us are a little past our prime, so, uh, you know, it's kind of some fair of us game. Are a lot past our prime. <laughs> <laughs> but but mentioning the hard situation as far as, uh, as Russ was saying, that getting into that late, two, if it's a 2-2 two -two tie with uh, 10 minutes to go or five minutes to go, what he's going to be uh, – can he hold up to, to the pressure? And uh, we've seen that in, in state – you know, in places, but I think that not in a playoff game, not in a second-round series, I think that that would be a huge test. And, you know, maybe some of it's on the defense too, the team defense. Oh, I mean, you totally. you know, the, the other day, uh, I didn't – I wouldn't bet a plug nickel that they were going to win that game in overtime. I thought, oh, gosh, you know, the Islanders are going to come out like a hurricane and just, you right. know, run the net. And, right. and to the Flyers' credit, I, I can't remember exactly the whole sequence of how much possession time they were in the other team's end, but the Islanders, I don't think, had a good scoring chance for that first uh, one outside shot. shot. Yeah, one shot, was, yeah. One shot. So, you know, essentially – And the Couturier line totally took over on the shift that ended yeah, up being yeah. the game-winning goal. They look, they look ticked off. Yeah. And uh, I think that if they play that – particular level of effort if they're tied 2-2 left in the game. I don't think it's all on heart. I think it's something that has to do with the fact that the team plays in front of them, keeps the shooters to the perimeter. As you mentioned, bars out. That's the one guy I looked at the Washington series and said, this guy could score on every shift. Yeah. I mean, literally, that's how good he is. So yeah. I think you have to keep an eye on some of those heavy, heavy hitters down the stretch if it's a close game and keep heart, do their part to keep heart from getting into danger. Yeah, he yeah. turned Carlson in one of those games for the game-winning goal. I don't think Carlson was healthy in that Washington series, but no, he, wasn't. he looked like a freaking turnstile as Barzell just blew yeah. by him. Yeah. He, he made, he's the most dynamic offensive player in the series. 
Yes. Right now. He just is. Um, Wayne, last thing for you, um, in regards to the Flyers and lineup decisions, boy, Elaine has tried a lot of different lineups, a lot of different combinations to Giroux back at center on the third line with Lawton and Albe Kubel at one point, and James Van Riemsdyk has been in and out of the lineup. Ghost has been in and out of the lineup. Um, the lineup he went with last game, he brought Hague. He wanted that size and physicality against a really big, beefy Islander team. I thought he paid dividends there. And I thought that even though James didn't have really any great scoring chances, look, you don't put him in the lineup for his defense and, and his neutral zone play, but I thought he was good and he competed in that game. You think they go back with that lineup, uh, keep Ghost out and uh, keep James in, or does Lawton come back in and somebody else come out? If you go by his, by Bino's MO during the regular season, he sticks with a winning hand. He very, very seldom makes a change after sure. a win. So, I mean, if you're going on that premise that he's going to follow form, then I think he sticks with that lineup. I mean, I know, I, I believe that he really likes Lawton a lot. He likes his game. Yeah. The fact that he elevated him to the second line yeah. uh, on a, on a semi-permanent basis going into that round robin, and then he performed quite well in the early going, the first four or five games, tells you that he has faith in this guy. But again, if Farabee's playing well, uh, go right down the list of guys who he could come back in for if they're all playing pretty pretty decently, then I think he will stick with that same line. See, I think you could put Lawton in for Farabee and not miss anything. I don't think yeah. Farabee played particularly well. He Does he play responsible hockey? Yes. Does he possess the puck pretty well? Yeah. And he's got speed, but he didn't really do anything impactful. Matter of fact, it looks like, he it looks get, like the physicality is really affecting his yes, game in both series. Yes, he was getting series. stripped. He was getting yeah. stripped quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, and he's shying away. He shied away from a couple of taking the hit to get the puck deep in the last yeah. game too. That I noticed. Well, listen, Gostaspier wouldn't shy. He wouldn't go in the corner for anything unless the puck was there and no player was there. He wasn't doing any battling at all. So that's another on, issue. Yeah, where are you on Ghost right now, Wayne? Uh, I would. I I'm more about the fact that Robert stays in the lineup for what you mentioned. The fact that I wrote yeah. my story that you know if the Islanders are going to come at you with that physical presence, that bulky, beefy type deal. You've got to have a guy out there who's willing to stand some people up. And I, you know, as as big and as rangy as Sandheim and Myers are, and I don't think Provorov's going to, you know, knock you off your skates. Or you you want a guy yeah, like thumpers, that? Yeah, yeah. You want a guy that's going to be able to uh, put a little fear in people. Yeah. Um, and he locks a lot you know, of shots too, boy. Oh, big does. And, you know, and, and when you have that, it. I've said I've written this a million times. When you have that great block, when he blocked the, the, the Weber shot with his helmet, that just energizes the bench. How do you quantify how valuable that is when, when the bench jumps up and is banging their sticks off the boards? Yeah. That just gets everybody, you know, hot to go. So, uh, yeah, I would keep Robert in. Yeah, to me, like, and I see all the people on, on social media, you know, from an analytics standpoint, how can you put Hague in there and the underlying numbers and all that bullshit uh, and the ghost stuff? Look. Ghost has a higher ceiling. We all understand that. But he also has a couple floors deeper of a basement. Right. And when he's not right. contributing offensively, the juice is not worth the squeeze. And he and right. he's a player that rides ebbs and flows. And when, when he's ebbing, okay. When he's flowing the wrong way, you got a problem. And, and you know it right away with him. You see his body language, the way he, he is kind of, you know, skating on the ice, whether he's feeling confident or not. And I think his head is – one of his worst enemies right now because he can't even take confidence from period to period, let alone game to game. Yeah. I'll give you one last thing too, that is a little bit of a worry. And that is the Islanders with some of their pesky guys, Clutterbuck, Komarov, they really do know how to get and connect his head and they have been getting him to be emotional in a bad way. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with him because I mean, to me, he had a ton of jump in, in, you know, the second period of game one and a lot of that in game number two, but he is squeezing the living daylights out of that stick. I mean, there's pulp coming out. He's got to get – if he gets a goal win, he could he could be a huge X factor and get them going. And he's playing with Hayes, who gives him a lot of space. That block he brought up, Andy Green, Russ, that yeah. block he had on – I mean, Konechny's got a wide open net. It is oh, running yeah. at him. And somehow Andy Green shoots his leg backwards. Yeah. And the heel of his actual steel deflects that thing away. I mean, you got to yeah. be kidding, right? Yeah. I think Andy Green was playing in my beer league the other night. I mean, he looks, <laughs> he looks ancient, doesn't he? I would keep I, – I still would keep connecting with Hayes. I, I wouldn't move that those two apart. I no, I agree with that. I, I'd move I him think, with Giroux and Couturier. 
Yeah, but I mean, I, I just think that Hayes is playing great. And I think that Konechny, at least even though he's not scoring, is giving Hayes opportunity here. Right. His, his passing, his, his getting Hayes' ability to get out of the zone uh, and, and get the rush moving. They look to me like the smoothest transitional line of the mm -hmm. four, that yeah. getting, getting out of their end and getting up into the other team's end. And I think Konechny has been a, a somewhat of a factor in that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Well, it's going to be an insanely compelling series going forward with the back-to-back. -back. At least there's not a back-to-back -back now in game six and seven with the newly released schedule. That would have been a horrible situation, I think, for the NHL. Oh, yeah. To have it go seven and, and it be on a back-to-back. -back. That yeah. To me, that looked really bad. That's not the case now with the, uh, the updated schedule. Hey, uh, Wayne, uh, we loved having you on, man. I really appreciate you. Thanks, Great Mike. stuff. Where can everybody read your stuff? Thank you. Where can they read your stuff Oh, at? I'm sorry. Uh, www.flyingfishhockey.com. Uh, I'm also now, uh, besides the Bucks County Courier, recently I was uh, named the uh, hockey writer for uh, the Gannett Papers because we merged. Uh, the Gannett Papers okay. merged with the uh, with Gatehouse Media. So you can find my stuff in uh, Camden, Wilmington, uh, Asbury Park, York, uh, any place where I guess Gannett has their USA Today label. And your Twitter handle is? At WayneFish1. At WayneFish1. At WayneFish1. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Hey, Wayne, did go. you see the picture of my beer league the other night when we won the championship? You see our jerseys? I did not. We had the, the old school gold and purple LA Kings jerseys. Oh, nice. Beer oh, league man. squad. Did you see it, Ross? From no, the 70s. Where would I have seen this, by the way? Where, I look like Rogi Vashon. Yeah, yeah. But I you're... tweeted it out. What's the matter with you? Oh, okay. I was going to like, be like, you're, you follow you're acting, me, man. I do, but I'm act, you're acting like this shit should have mainstream coverage. You're like Rogi <laughs> Vashon if he lost five inches on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, how tall was Rogi? I want to say 5'11". Okay, I'm, I'm f almost 5'8". I'm 5'9". I'll skates. look him up, but I think he was maybe 6'5", 5'11". Right, why, why don't you look up the picture of me in that beautiful King sweater? Oh, congratulations. It's good that you beat other beer league guys. That's a big accomplishment. Well, no, he was 5'8 only. Okay. Hey, uh, yeah, so we're, we're very similar. You're not, but he's still taller than you. My, my old uh, partner, Harry Mays, goes, I told me I look like Rogi Vashon out there. <laughs> All right. Hey, Wayne, thanks for doing this, man. My pleasure. All right, thanks to Wayne Fish for joining us here on episode 86 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Russ Cohen and Jason Martinez. Do, do you see the picture now, Russ? I do, my, uh, I do. Jersey? What do you think? Yeah, those are great jerseys. I, I love those. It does bring back the days of Marcel Dion. And I interviewed Dave Taylor once, and, you know, he said that was – Forum blue and, and forum yellow. That's what they used to call them. They wouldn't call them blue and gold, uh, purple and gold. I don't know why. But end of the day, you look really tired. Yeah, it was a back-to-back -back for the championship. So we played game, game one on Tuesday night and got a big win in that one. And then we played game two the next night, Wednesday. Okay. And it was really kind of like hot and humid. So the ice is a bit soft, right? Yeah. And by the time you get two minutes into period number two, um, because the ice is soft and gets chewed up, you don't have the ability to just push and stay on your knees. Right. Because there's too much friction that creates Yeah, but you know, goalie. there's an advantage for the goalie too, though, when, when it's a little bit soft because the puck gets sort of sticky and tacky with the ice at times, mm -hmm. and that's hard to get a good shot off. Yeah. Well, we got the win, though, and uh, we, we swept the boobies. You got to love the uh, the beer name. league names. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was a great season that lasted about 14 months, it seems like. But uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And that, and that win was for our boy Tabs, who's in the front of that picture with the green socks on on his knee. Uh, Tabs uh, was diagnosed with uh, a stage four cancer uh, in his brain. And um, he came out and played and played really well. Oh, so that's, for that, that's for our boy Tabs. So, uh, right. Tabs, we're thinking about you and praying for you. But let, let's look at the other series around the NHL. Um, Ross, boy, these, these playoffs have been so compelling. Let's start out west. Let's go with the number one seed, the Vegas Golden Knights, who in game number one, absolutely shredded Vancouver, who was coming off a, you know, a very emotional series win over the, the Cup champs, St. Louis Blues. But then full marks to uh, Travis Green, his group in game two, coming back, putting up a nickel on uh, the, the Vegas Golden Knights and, and evening that series at one. Does Vancouver have a shot here against Vegas, especially with all the noise of Alan Walsh and Marc-Andre Fleury? Yeah, I think they do have a shot. I mean, I, I picked Vegas in six to be fair, but – I think they have a shot, and the idea is in this game, Elias Pettersson was a massive, 
massive difference in this game. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that has a chance to be the Con Smythe winner if they were to advance. He's got like 11 points already. He or he's setting up plays. And look, I mean, their offense looks great. Besser looks great. Quinn Hughes affects them so much in a positive way every shift, whether it's keeping the puck away from the other team, whether it's that great first pass and starting these zone time on offense. It's just unbelievable at his age, the effect he's had on these games. He's had the highest completion percentage of stretch passes I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I told you, he's revolutionizing the position. Wow. I'm he telling you, it's, he's better than anybody at it. Yeah, and then you talk about like uh, an addition like JT Miller, um, the, the, the captain there, and you know with, with Vancouver as well, getting the job done. Yeah, Miller's an interesting one because I I, I was on the call the other day with Miller and, and Pedersen, and he's a uh, he's matured a lot. Like he's a guy that weathered being in New York at a young as a young player and having some really good moments and then having some tough moments and having to take criticism. Then he goes to Tampa where people felt like he was overpaid. And people killed Vancouver for getting him. And Vancouver's social media account, yeah, so Vancouver's social media account reminded a few of their followers the tweets that they got when Miller wasn't playing well and how they were killing him and saying it was the worst thing Jim Benning's ever done. So, you know what? Right now things are going good for them, but uh, Vegas is not going to sit back here. They're, they're, they are going to punch these guys in the mouth. Uh, Pacioretty's playing really, really well. Stone is oh, playing is. great. Yeah. Um, I like Zach Whitecloud. That's helped their defense, solidify their defense. Their defense still moves Tuck. the puck. Yeah, Tuck has played great. Best hockey I've seen him play since yeah, Nate Schmidt. a long time. Nate Schmidt looks good. Look, Leonard you know, didn't have his best game, but he's still their best goalie right now. I agree with playing him over Flurry right this moment. Uh, what did you think of Alan Walsh's tweet? It was idiotic. I mean, now – I know Mark andre Fleury a little bit from all the years, juniors and everything else, world juniors, all these things. And he did not want to have to go in and answer for his agent when he's not even the starting So you think goalie. he had no awareness with that? that no, was I happen. think he had awareness. And I think he okay. copped that a little bit. But I think he had awareness like he and Alan may have joked about stuff and maybe even told Alan, yeah, I'm okay with you posting something but I don't think he had any idea of what was going to be posted and how it was going to be posted. And I think that's why he asked Alan to take it down. Yeah. That, you know, that is a, a thing where you know that that was in the opposing locker room bulletin board. You know that his players said something to him the minute he walked in, probably started chirping him. They love flurry. Right. So they probably started yeah. doing those little, you know, little digs until he has to sort of, you know, address everybody. And, you know, it is a distraction. It was just, was a just, Poor move. I don't yeah, understand. The timing it. is horrible. Oof. And when the, the player at this time of year has to answer for the agent, it, that's not good. Now, the agent speaks no. for the player a lot of times. And in a regular yes. season, that's fine. And if he calls the GM and wants to say, hey, my player feels this way and this is yeah. you know, total bullshit. Uh, but to put that out with the knife, with the boar written Ooh. on the knife and, and the goalie's back, I'm going, Alan, what are you doing, man? Because now you've created a story that's not only a distraction. Right. Not only did he probably carry whatever they were talking about too far, but he had to hire someone to do the Photoshop too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't okay. think he did. Do you think he Photoshopped that? I don't. No, no, no. I don't think he did. That was way too good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was blood exactly. splatter and everything. And look, he does represent his clients with fervor publicly. Look, look, look. if you're on a team and yep. you feel like you want to get away from that team because the contract's not right or nothing's right. You hire Alan Walsh. He will get you out of that team. Yeah. Well, he just screwed them though, too, because it, it yes. just affected. Cause if they re-sign Leonard now, um, and cause might. it's, it's going to be untenable if they re-sign Leonard and keep flurry there. No, nah, I don't think it'd be untenable. I mean, Flurry's real good that way. I don't think it would be untenable. I just think it would be not to his liking, but I think Flurry's smart enough to know Leonard's probably going to get hurt and he's still going to play 30 games. He's still going to play. Yeah. Here's the thing though. Um, Flurry also knows there's a lot of goaltending openings around the league right now. Teams there's that, too many jobs though. Teams that feel like they got a real shot if they can solidify I mean, Matt Murray's that. But on a the flat block. cap. But Matt Murray, no. Yeah. But I'm just saying. But I don't think Penguins could get a first round pick for Matt Murray right this moment because there's too many goalies. There's yeah. goalies in free agency, you and know, they know they need to deal them. Corey Crawford, you can get. Who who knows? Markstrom may end up talking to teams if Vancouver doesn't give him a deal soon. 
because you know, they have Thatcher Demko sitting behind yeah. them, who they really like uh, in yeah. developmental phase. But so I mean, there's too many. That goalies. would be a mistake from for, for Vancouver. But it's too early on that. I agree. But yeah. again, would you sign Markstrom for four years if you're Vancouver? I wouldn't. Look what else is coming for Vancouver too. Right. You have to sign Quinn Hughes. You're gonna have to sign. Yeah. There's a lot of players. So that's why I can't give him a four year deal. But if he wants that and doesn't want the AAV I'm giving him, and let's say we only want to give him two years or maybe three tops, he wants he, five. Yeah, he probably won't. He'll get fire. it on the open market, and he'll yeah. get, and he'll sign an, a, a nice ticket, you know, worth about what, like, six and a half to seven and a half sheets. Nah, maybe six and a half. I don't think okay. anybody's breaking seven and a half, eight anymore. Anybody since right. Bob, I think everybody's looked at that deal and said, okay, we don't want to ever be stuck with a deal like that. Yeah, well, Florida is screwed. Yeah. Um, Real quick, too. Uh, Holpe gets knocked out. He probably played his last game as a cap. I'm assuming so. Yeah. Uh, is he unless, ticketed for unless, Calgary? Unless Sam Samsonov is more banged up than we thought from an ATV accident, which is so stupid. I mean, yeah, what's he thinking? But he's a young guy. But that was just dumb. Now, if he's fully recovered from that, yeah, Holpe plays last game. Uh, where does he go? Is is he an option for Calgary? I think Calgary. I, I think is he an option for Toronto. Uh, or is that going to be a trade situation? That's going to be a Freddy? trade. I, I, I would get rid of Anderson simply mm-hmm. because I don't think he can get them over the hump. I yeah. think he's a really good regular season goalie, and I think in the playoffs, it's just it's, he's, there's a slight difference, and I don't think he's a, a big winning playoff goalie. So I think uh, if you made the right deal with Murray, you might be able to swap the two goalies, but they're going to be looking for a lot more Pittsburgh. So it all depends what the Leafs would be willing to do. But I, I don't – Crawford, I think, would like to go to Calgary, too. I think he's from that area, right? Yeah. So I think that that's a fit, too. So I think Calgary's got a few options there. But I'm sure now, again, Chicago is going to probably call Leonard and see if they could get him because they had him. And if they can't, Crawford still might be their fallback. Like, this is a crazy crazy goalie market. I was really impressed with Crawford oh, no, having COVID, were. barely yeah. playing, and yeah. you know, in camp or anything like that, to battle the way he did. He was I mean, amazing. He's a guy that never gets enough credit, man. He no, really I agree. Yeah. I agree. He's a good goalie, and but we all did think he was starting to get long in the tooth. Yep. And you know what? He showed. He had us. the concussion issues too. I mean, he did. and that you know, was the problem. That yeah, was he's what one I more away, long. you know. Yeah, that's what I meant by long in the tooth was the concussion issues. Yeah. Um, what do we play. before we get to some of the other series? What do we think of? Uh, the Penguins and Leafs deal, they got the Penguins acquired Kasperi Kapitan. He's 24, uh, multiplayer deal. Um, and uh, the Penguins all sent center Evan Rodriguez, defenseman yeah. David Warsofsky, and yeah. forward Philip Hallander and their 2020 first-round draft pick, which is 15th overall, uh, right. to Toronto for Kapitan and the rights to KHL for Pontus Adberg and defenseman Jesper Lindgren, where the Penguins paid a huge price here, in my it's opinion. It's a big price. It's a big yeah. price. Um the first, first round I'll pick go, again, Rutherford doesn't want, doesn't want I know. to pick in the first round. I know. And I'll tell you that this first round is good. Like at 15, you're going to get a really good player. So mm-hmm. right off the bat, you might be getting a player better than Kapanen in the long run, but not today. And they're looking at today. Um, my problem with Kapanen has been playoff production. It's, yeah. it's lousy. It's really lousy. Now, maybe that comes he, with playing in Toronto. It could. And maybe he hasn't played with someone like Malkin. And that's no slight to Tavares. He didn't play with Tavares all the time, from what I understand. But you know, Malkin's a different kind of player. And if Malkin can sort of get him going, maybe it'll be worth it. But Hallander can play, man. He can play center or wing. This guy can play offense and defense. He's got really good hands around the net. And he's signed for another year. So you just – you don't even have to worry about him right now. You let him go play in Sweden, you're fine if you're the Leafs. But that's just like extra – an extra asset. Uh, you know, Warsawski, there was a time where I thought he was a pretty good offensive defenseman, but he's small and he's just going to be an AHLer. Lingren, I also think, is an AHLer. I don't think you're going to see much time. Now, Rodriguez could help the Leafs. Now, he was kind of upset salary-wise and otherwise in, in Buffalo. He could still play. He's he's a chippy guy. He could play. So you're fourth line C, four C? Yeah. No, I don't or know. They put love, him on the wing. Uh, on the wing. I, I think they like Gauthier too much, which I don't know why, but I, I just feel that way. That's what they do. So, he, but he could put a little penalty killing, a little sandpaper. If you could pick him up, say, look, I can't pay you what, you know, you think you should make, but if I give you like 1.1, would you come in? And he probably would. Yeah. Now the Leafs are not going to be done there either. They, they're going to no. have to move Nylander as well, I think. They're going to try. Because yeah. I think they're trying to get Peter Angelo, but Petrangelo, but whether that happens or not, I don't, I think that's a long shot. Yeah. And Petrangelo probably played his last game as a St. Louis Blue oh, yeah. unless he wants to take a big discount. 
with the. He's uh, gonna, you know what he's going to do? He's going to hit the market regardless and just see what's out there for him before he ever mm-hmm. talks to St. Louis again. Yeah, he's going to tell Doug Armstrong to just hang on a little right. bit here. Let me let me see yeah. what's out there for me, and yeah. if the situation looks good, and whether, maybe that is in Toronto, and boy, do they need him in a big way. And, oh yeah. Um, but again, we don't know what this market's going to look like. My contention is always the, the best players in the league, no matter what. Russ, they get paid. There's yeah. always somebody. Oh no, they do. But you know, I'm going to give you another team that I think would be interested in Petrangelo, and I think that's the Flyers. Mm-hmm. I think they'll try and move out Gostasvier's salary. I think between Grant and Thompson and Pitlick, two of those guys aren't coming back. Maybe three aren't coming back. Yeah, because you have Frost in the Because you have Frost. And if you yeah. start adding up the uh, the pennies there, you could see where there might be enough money to bring in a Petrangelo. And, you know, you could say, hey, look, we are – we feel like we get you, we could get to the cup. And, you know, there might be a match there. Yeah, and, and Niskanen's got one year left after this year. Right. So there's, there's And Braun, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen with Braun. Yeah. Does, is Braun up this year? Yeah, I, I think remember. so. Okay. I thought he had – or no, Niskanen had two years. Niskanen. Braun had one. Right. Um, so that, that could be – you know, you think about it. That's the money. So I think the Flyers are going to talk to him. Um, the NHL went heavy-handed on the Arizona Coyotes, despite the fact yeah, that J- GM John Chica is not there. Um, they take their second-round pick in this year's draft because they don't have a first because they traded it in the Taylor Hall deal. Right. Uh, they take their second-round pick, so they're not even going to pick till round four in right. this year's draft. And then they take their 2021 first round pick and they're going to lose a second or a third in depending if uh, Taylor Hall signs or not. He signs or not. Right. Um, So uh, they're in a really bad situation uh, to to replenish in in Arizona. And, you know, they don't have a GM and, you know, who's it? Steve Sullivan. The The acting, whether they go higher than that or they put him in the spot in the slot. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting, but, you know, Chaika leaves them with a bag, and, you know, apparently oh, yeah. it was something to do with the, the training staff or something like well, that. Oh, no, 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 It was Gary it was, ensured that it's never going to happen again, I'll tell you that. Well, it's a big no-no. So what, what's happened here is they brought in guys, draft-eligible guys, and tested them. Yep, worked and, them out and tested them. And worked them out and tested them and used that analytics, and they were going to use that to draft these guys. But it's specifically said that you can't do that outside of the draft. No mm-hmm. team can do that. And honestly, a lot of scouts and teams were pissed off at the Coyotes for doing this. Now, I thought it took a little long, but I do think the punishment's right. And at the end of the day, I'll give you an example, like what they might be giving up. So yes, they didn't lose. They could have lost a maximum of like $500,000, $5 million, sorry, because it's 500,000 a player you would have gotten fined, which is what's outlined in the NHL rules. But instead of going the money angle, because they're a new team, they went the draft pick angle. And like this year's draft, 2021, Luke Hughes, the brother of Quinn and Jack, he's a defenseman, is going to be a first-round pick. Well, now you won't get a chance to get a guy like Luke Hughes, which you could use a guy like Luke Hughes. So, you know, when you start looking at it practically like that, it's it's a lot to lose. Um, there's some, some notion out there that OEL could be a guy that gets moved. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think he so He likes it there. Yeah, I mean, he signed the extension. And he's getting yeah. paid. I mean, I, he, I don't understand. He's a golfer. He likes playing golf there. Yeah, well, they play a lot of it out there because they don't <laughs> play into the summer a whole heck of a lot uh, out in Arizona. Rick Tockett's done a great job there. Yeah, I think Tockett's safe for this year at least. Yeah. Um, all right, let's look at the Colorado series because Colorado goes down 0-2 in the series, then bounces back uh, with, a, with a real kind of gut check effort in game number three. They needed it in a big way. And this didn't look like – this looked like a, you know – Colorado was like a wagon from the time they got into the hub city out in Edmonton and they were just kind of, you know, dictating the terms to everybody they play with the team speed, the skill, yeah. the depth, everything. They lose Grubauer, although Francis was better than him in the regular season. Uh, they dropped game one and two, but they're back in the series. It's two one now. Uh, you know, when you look at this series, is there a possible upset brewing here for, for a team like Colorado against the Dallas stars who were 29th for us in scoring in the regular season. I know they're putting up nickels every game. Yeah. Their scoring's picked up. Pavelski's picked up. That's a big reason. Um, oh, also yeah. Doriano, he had 20 goals in the regular season, but he's also excelled in the playoffs. But the issue is when Eric Johnson was banged up in game one and he was out for a while and then he came back and I think it was Jamie Ben that hit him and put him out longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you could see what, he means to that team. It's essentially the same as Niskanen to the Flyers. If you take out Niskanen for the rest of this Islander series, how do you feel about Colorado? Uh, you know, the Flyers. You don't feel mm-hmm. as good. 
Now, Zadorov also has an injury now. So I think they're going to have to dip into their prospect pool and go either Bowen Byram or Connor Timmins. I might go Timmins because he played 40 AHL games and he's a little bit tougher, but I think they got to go with one of them. Kevin Connaughton now, you can't just elevate him and not have anything else to help you. And losing Zadorov is tough only because he's physical. So I think Colorado is now really going to have to outskate them. I think it's still a good possibility they can do it, but could they be upset by Dallas? Yeah, I mean, Bonus has done a great job. I mean, the one thing I'll tell you about Dallas, though, was on the call the other day. Bonus finally did say, hey, Ben Bishop is skating, and then he steered clear of every other Ben Bishop quote out there by just saying he's still unfit to play. I actually think he's lost his job. I think Yeah, Hedobin's been really good. Yeah, and I don't think he wants to say that in case he has to use him again. So he was just like, well, both guys are great, blah, blah, blah. But I just think right now, unless something big happens to the Stars, that Bishop, even if he's healthy, is not an option. So I think they're going to keep saying he's unfit just so they don't have a controversy because Ottinger clearly is never going to play unless yeah. there's an injury. And he's good. Jake Ottinger, I could tell you all day how good I think he is. But to just throw him in here would be like throwing Vladar in for the Bruins. It's kind of tough. Yeah, it's not the. It's a huge drop off. Yeah. By the way, is there a cooler mask in the league than Anton Hudobin's? No, he's cool. Look, I'll tell you a funny thing about him. In he's his like draft 5'10", year, five ten too. By the way, I know. In his draft year, he was the number one ranked European goalie, and I remember being sort of high on him. But then he has just gone through the wars, and at this point, I'm still not sure he's a one A. But you know what? He's he's doing well. So good for him, man. Ride him. You ride him while he's doing that. Yeah, he's really he's really had a nice career here, and it's still going. Yeah, yeah, he he's been really impressive in these playoffs, and as you said, coming in for. And I think Francis could be fine too. I think they have to play a little better defense because he's more of a system guy. Yeah, uh, all said and done, you're looking at a nine thirteen save percentage for uh, Hudobin. While that doesn't look outstanding, you see some guys with a nine forty save percentage. No, no, but you look at that defense; it's not the greatest. So yeah. I mean, it's a puck transporting defense, but. They, there's a lot of glorious chances for, for, for Colorado, let's be fair. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Nathan McKinnon's been a beast. I mean. Oh, he's so fast. It's, um, it's And he's beating up guys. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you don't even want to start a fight with him now. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, let's go to the East and look at uh, the Boston and uh, Tampa series. Uh, Boston each one out in game one, although I don't think the score was indicative of how much they really dominated that game over sure. Tampa in game one. A couple of late goals by Hedman. Uh, yeah. Made it look like it was a really tight game, but I don't think that it ever really was. But in uh, game two, Tampa gets an overtime win. And in game three, they absolutely shit-kicked the Bruins 7-1. to one. They put up a touchdown, kicked the extra point. Um, is this going to just be too much for Boston t- to handle without Rask, even though Halak's a really good 1B? Is this just too much for, for Boston to be able to contain a team that now has exercised its demons in, in Columbus? and is really rolling offensively with that depth, that talent, Kucherov, Point, Palat. I mean, you can go on. They're doing it without Stamkos. Yeah, Warren looks great. Oh, I mean, come on. I Gord, mean, Gord looks great. No, yeah. they they could roll the four. Uh, I think this this time off, though, is going to help a lot because he clearly was worn. Um, so that, that may help. But I picked Tampa six or seven. I can't remember. And I'm sticking with it because I think as each game has gone on, Tampa has learned – a little bit more, a little bit better how to play Boston, how to play their top line. The biggest move they made this whole series is bringing Braden Coburn in. Because Braden Coburn, even at his advanced age, may not be the best skater anymore, but with his reach, he still knows how to tie guys up. And he does that really, really effectively. And you know what? It's had a big big effect on, on Tampa's defense. And Look, Hedman's the most important guy for Tampa. Maybe Stamkos, if they ever get him back, which I think there's still a chance, but nobody knows with this core injury how it's going to go. You saw when Pasternak came back and, you know, that shot's on the power play. Imagine if Tampa got that shot back on the power play. But right now, the four that Tampa rolls, yeah, I think they're going to be tough to beat. And Vasilevsky's not quite playing his best hockey yet. And Julian Breezewa did a great job bringing in Barkley. Good draw. He did. Last offseason, I didn't think much. This year, deadline, a lot. Yeah, I thought he, he made some really savvy moves. Coleman had two goals, yeah. Yeah, it just makes your team more of a playoff team, a team that yes. can go on and run in the playoffs and have a yeah. little bit of sandpaper in there too and guys that can, you know, be physical and, and do that kind of stuff. So I, I think that's massively important for, for that group for sure. Yep. Um, so you think you still have the lightning in that though? Even I still, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like I said, I think – I don't I think, think Boston has the depth. I don't think they have the depth right now either. I'm um, 
And then um, who's the other series? Am I missing a series or do we hit all? Well, no, there's only four series, so I hit them all. We hit them all. All right. And who do you have, by the way, who do you have winning the Flyers Islander series? Flyers I think you picked, seven. Oh, you do have the Flyers. Okay. Yeah. I know a lot of people. But it was uh, hard. I, I was going back and forth in my mind. I mean, I, I, the one thing I told people, I, I played um, in a charity softball game last weekend in Brooklyn. And the minute I hit Brooklyn and I was warming up, guys know I'm a hockey writer. So they're all asking me about the Islanders. Some of the Ranger fans are asking me about Lafreniere. And, but I have to answer to Islander fans in person a lot, where a lot of other people, when they pick Philly against the Islanders online or whatever, you know, they only have to answer to the Flyers fans. I sort of have to answer to both fan bases because they both get to see me for a certain amount. So I had, I struggled with that one. I did, but I, I picked Philly based on the fact that I thought Carter Hart and a little bit of scoring might do it, but you saw everything the way I laid it out. It's, it's a nervous Flyers in seven, a very nervous one. Yeah. It, it's going to be a really interesting final, potentially five games of this series. And Oh yeah how this postponement affects uh, these teams and the schedule going forward. And look, Ryan Reeves said he yesterday, he said he's still not sure if he's going to come back and play. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, well, everything will get back underway tomorrow, whether Ryan Reeves plays or not, the NHL yeah. will be back on the ice and uh, I can't wait. It was kind of, in a way it was kind of nice to just take the two days and, yeah. um, and just kind of exhale a little bit, let, let all this kind Although of Although I've occur. been so busy, as you say, I, on Sportsology, I wrote about Michael Chandler, MMA fighter who may jump to the UFC from Bellator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote about Jen Lilly. She's a, uh, a soap star and an upcoming singer, up-and-coming singer. Wrote about her new album. So I, I always find stuff to do, man. Yeah, you're writing about everything, including your Mets. And that's a whole other story. That whole thing yesterday, I can't even get over it. But in a month, it won't matter because they will have sold the team and everything will be changed. The GM will be fired. The owners will have a little piece of the team and they'll go away. Is Josh Harris still in it? No, he's still in it, but I don't think he has a chance. Well, he's too busy now asking Philadelphia for money to build a new arena for the Sixers on Penn's Landing or whatever. Yes. Which, Um, by the way, where would you park? You wouldn't. You'd have There's to take no some parking sort of, there. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to take. You'd have to park at the complex, take the Broad Street line to the L, which is awful. Yeah, nobody's going to do that. That's why no. the sports complex makes sense because it's right. 95, 76. It's an intersection right there. It's close to the airport, and there's a shit ton of parking. No, but you know what he's thinking. I could own. I could rent this. I could own part of this building with public funds. Uh, I could own the complex like he does in um, in Camden. And then he doesn't have to pay any rent to the Wells Fargo people anymore. And, and he like, also owns the Prudential Center. Right. And so that's his, that's his end game here besides that regional network. If he were to get the Mets, he wants that too. But well, that's his end fans, game here. For Philly fans, you want him to buy the Mets because the, the dude does not care about winning, in my no. opinion. He can say all the right things about wanting to win and putting people in place. Yeah, he just wants to make money. Yeah. No, he is uh, a guy that grows money. But don't worry, the Sixers, the Sixers are going to lose with, without Josh Harris. They just don't have the right guys. Well, when you lose in sports on purpose for four years, yeah. um, and then you expect to win as a byproduct of losing, to me, hard, that the, the sports gods, and I believe in the sports gods, Russ, uh, do not look kindly upon four years of putting an inferior product on the floor um, to, to, to try and rebuild a team. Like, that's uh, the only way to do it. I think you're right about that. But then it's hard to answer the sports gods for all the tanking that Pittsburgh's done over the years and championships they've gotten based on players they've gotten. Well, they've sucked at the right time. Yes. That, that's part of the thing. I mean, getting lucky, getting a, you know, when they get Well, they didn't Crosby, get lucky with Lemieux. They, that was a straight tank. No, that, yeah, exactly. But, um, and, and the rules were different then. With yes. Crosby, it was slightly different because they won the lottery over Anaheim. Right. Anaheim ends up with uh, with uh, Bobby Ryan. Right. Who, well, look, look, look like a good player, but with no Crosby. No. <laughs> Crosby was generational from the I'll, time I'll, he was I'll 13. tell you, I, with, without the Cherry Hill hype and the fact that he thinks the king of pizza is a good pizza place because it's not, um, I covered him in the World Juniors. And I got to tell you, he looked like a star. He did. Oh, yeah. He had the yeah. shot. He could skate. So, you know, I can't kill him on that Anaheim on that pick. Yeah, no doubt. All right, that's going to put a wrap on episode 86, the Nikita Kucherov episode, as uh, we kind of wrap up with uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. 
Uh, it looks like actually like he wants to play playoff hockey this year as well. Does Kucherov and <laughs> as does. opposed to just skating around. It took around. him a little while, but he's in there now. Yeah, now he, now he understands what it takes at that level to win in Stanley Cup uh, NHL playoff hockey. Uh, until uh, the next episode, which will obviously be the Sidney Crosby episode, uh, episode 87. That's Russ Cohen. Follow him on Twitter at Sportsology, sportsology.com. As he said, he's got great, uh, great content there all the time, no matter whether hockey's going on or not. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason Mert at stick to hockey pod. Give that a follow as well. And uh, make sure you leave a rating and review for this podcast. And uh, the, the podcast has been doing great. Yep. We're charting very high on we iTunes. Appreciate it. Spotify. Yeah. We love everybody. The loyalty of the stick to hockey podcast uh, listeners. So leave us a rating and review. If you haven't done so already, that'll help other uh, great hockey fans find this podcast. And in the meantime, everybody enjoy your hockey. And thanks for listening. Yeah.